0: You're listening to the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. We always take a week off for the international break. It's just not always the same week here on the Owls AmeriCast. Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I am drinking... It's getting chilly. We're well into October now. It is stout season. I do love a dark beer. and I have one of the best examples of the, uh, the American sweet milk stout. It's the nitro version of Left Hands Milk Stout. It is... I pours a beautiful pint for starters i have my little nitro stout glass for it as well uh, it holds a nice creamy head and it is a lovely and very drinkable six percent well-balanced stout, bringing some balance to the podcast as well in new jersey it's patty jones patty what are you drinking
1: Good evening, Jeffrey. I'm very jealous of your drink today. Uh, I'm clearing out this six-pack I've had for about two weeks in my fridge. Uh, it's an Indian brand made in the U.S. called beer 91, and it's very, very average. I'm drinking the 91 IPA. Uh, I won't be buying it again, but I'll be
0: uh, stocking up my milk stout now it's uh, autumn, fall season. Always appropriate to have a 91 beer on a Sheffield Wednesday podcast, though.
1: So. Yeah, that's the only redeeming feature, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Out in Ohio, it's our Ohio Owl, Evan Skilter. Evan, what are you drinking?
2: It's also chilly here. I spent the day on the golf course um, and was very cold when I got home. So it's been uh, just bourbon for me tonight. Knob Creek 14-year, actually, uh, which is uh, nothing warms you up like a a 14-year bourbon.
0: We'll try to warm the hearts of our listeners as well on episode 80. Although, we have a not super convincing win against Wigan to discuss. There's also a little bits and bobs of news from a rather boring international break. We do have two very important dispatches from American Soccer. It's back. I'm sure you missed it and didn't forget that it used to be a uh, founding feature of the show. And of course, we will preview the upcoming matches, including a chance to go top of the table this Friday against Cardiff. Normally here I would do my 90 minutes and 90 seconds, but it's been over a week and I completely forgot what actually happened in this game. So we'll just move on to the talking points. Evan, you seem to remember a little bit more because you've written down Hutch.
2: Well, I, I'm i actually with you and, and I missed, I, I had to listen to about, oh, maybe half of this game or a little over half because I couldn't figure out what was going on with iFollow. All I had to do was check our WhatsApp group to figure out that, uh, we needed to go into a separate link or something or other, but I was lazy and didn't check it. So I listened to the commentary only for a lot of it, uh, like old times' sake. And and Hutch was fantastic as a color commentator. I uh, Love John Pearson, but um, to hear to hear Hutch's perspective, I, I really have two points on it. One, um, he was very insightful. It was awesome to hear um, kind of the background of some of the other players, and you know, a quick update on Forestieri and how you know, he's, he's, um, coming back to fitness, etc. Um, but I, I think the most telling thing was, and maybe he's just good at faking it, but Hutch seemed to have a very good attitude toward this season and toward uh, the club in general. And it really, like every time he was asked about one of his teammates, um, he was he he had nothing but glowing remarks. and I, I think, and I hope that uh, that tone is kind of the tone of the squad right now. It seems like that's the case. It does look like everyone's having a good time and and playing a little bit loose. Um, I don't think the performance on the field was, I mean, obviously a win's a win, but I don't think that was particularly exciting, but it was exciting to me to to hear that tone and to hear um the, the excitement in his voice for how things are going
0: the last time i can remember doing this them doing this uh recently i think they had david Protten on a couple of years ago when he was without an injury i remember being very impressed sort of with his sort of you know knowledge of both the squad and also sort of the the game itself and i know he's done some some punditry since he retired as well but it is interesting to see you know you sort of get the very sterilized media training in a lot of cases you know the, once or twice a year they show up for the for the pre-game or post-game interviews and they rotate those through i think you did get a little more sort of insight into how hutch thinks as a footballer too which i think is interesting to get
1: yeah i really liked um what you was saying as well like i said it is a good indication of how the squad is feeling uh, it's difficult. Essentially, what was happening was a ninety-minute interview, and I want to give like hats off to Rob O'Neill as well because he managed to commentate while giving a pretty good interview with Sam Hutchinson as well. Uh, and Sam did a lot of good color commentary. He gave a lot of insights to the back room, like the backroom staff. Um, he was talking about about uh, Burner and how he's uh, a unit and how he's an old school footballer, but a bit more cultured. And actually, it was while I was describing, him was being cultured that uh, it was Burner that started the move for the goal. And he started running up to second, like <laughs> the uh, opposition half. And he goes, "Where's it going now?" <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was, it was very funny um, throughout the entire thing, and it, it just it just really entertaining. It was like a game within a game, uh, listening to uh, him and uh, Rob chat while watching the game on Foal Two. I was really glad that I was at home for this game because I don't think I would have listened, wanted to be able to hear uh, any of the commentary uh, at the Football Factory. Um, so I had a week off and managed to uh, look out and get Hutchinson. Beamed into my ears on Saturday morning. It was great. Loved it.
0: We did not get Hutchinson in midfield, however, Patty, And you have some thoughts about the reconstituted central line?
1: Yeah, I had some... Um, I was, wasn't too sure about the midfield line when it was announced. Uh, obviously, Pelopesti uh, in the starting eleven never really me full of confidence. Uh, long ago, starting alongside him, I know, obviously, Hutch was uh, suspended... I expected Lee maybe to come in as well, but um, instead of maybe Pelopessi or Luongo, but you went uh, full gung-ho and threw both of them in uh, uh, for their first starts of the year. Uh, and I thought they did really well um, for a central threesome of Bannon, Luongo and Pelopessi. Uh, Pelopessi basically did Hutch's uh, job, uh, being in front of the centre-halves. I thought he broke up play really well uh, and then passed it to either Luongo or Bannon. Uh, Luongo, uh, great goal, I thought. Um, I thought out of, the, out of the, all five of the midfielders, if you include Bannon, if you include Harrison, Reach, Longo actually, throughout that 90 minutes, was probably the weakest of the five. Um, his passing was a little bit uh, off at times, but he put a shift in. Um, he uh, got a good goal. Uh, he was making use of himself. Um, but overall, I think um, uh, on Twitter I was in charge of the Al feed, and I said about five minutes before I scored a goal that, Bannon, that Longo was having a nightmare. <laughs> As usual, the uh, commentator's curse. Um, Happy to oblige there for a goal. Uh, But yeah, um, Reach on the right, I thought, was uh, fantastic. Again, he had those same people saying he he contributes nothing. I thought he covered every single blade of grass Saturday. He he made a lot of difference. A lot lot of things happened through him. Uh, Hustling and uh, putting some good balls in, being a kind of foil for Bannon, Um, coming in central. He was really great, I thought, Reach. Bannon, I thought, should have had a goal too. Um, he came close twice, hit the posts, uh, and then uh, fired a curler just wide towards the second half, I think. Um, it just shows, even on a quiet day, Bannon's still one of our best players. Uh, and then lastly in the midfield, uh, Harris, obviously, or Cads, as uh, Hutch called him throughout the game. Um, Kaz is always a threat, uh, always an option too. He's, he's just always open, and his pace, his control is crossing, is Premier League class. It's unbelievable that we got this guy on free. I think the other thing he needs to do to add to his game is his goals. Um, but if he had that, he wouldn't be playing for us, would he? So, uh, so thank you to Mr. Neil Warnock. I hope he's going to uh, uh, prove him uh, wrong for letting him go on Friday against Cardiff.
0: I thought it was interesting, too, sort of the way he... Uh, it seemed like Gary Monk still wanted to play a little bit on the sort of back counter counterattacking style even setting up at home against Wigan you know playing both Luongo and Pelopesi in sort of a more uh you know pivot minded role although uh, Luongo obviously made a nuisance of himself and did offer a midfielder running into the box that we haven't really had generally speaking the last couple of years with uh with Kieran Lee's injury which it was a very almost. there was a very Kieran Lee goal, I think, that he scored too, just sort of being in the right place at the right time and a very clinical finish. But I don't think you really get to see the best of the midfield all the time with the way we're set up. It does seem to get it out to reach, get it out to Harris, and that's it's fine with Bannon, who's you know more of a distributor and likes to drop deep. But I do wonder if it allows sort of you know the freedom for you know Pelopassi and Luongo or even uh, Kieran Lee at this point to play their best football.
2: Well, I'm kind of. I I was just impressed with how loose and and I guess I'll call it fluid, um, which that 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 statement can be argued probably, but it just seemed like um, and we talked about the the tone in Hutch's voice where everything seems loose and happy, and it, it just seems like. Things seem to flow through uh, the, those midfielders. They're making nice runs. They're, they're unafraid to, to play these long diagonal balls. We saw one. I think it was from Bannon where he, he pinged it across uh, to the right, from left to right, and maybe Fletcher headed it back, and we just missed a chance there. Um, you know, there's a lot of trust between them and the forwards in, in making those long balls. And um, y- you know, I think the forwards are doing a, a fairly good job at creating. Um, and it's just yeah, it's it's been fun to watch. I think we have some, a lot of really good skill in the midfield, and you know, there's not a ton of pressure on them to be um, to be as I don't know. I guess I guess what I'm saying is they have a longer leash, uh, maybe under under Monk than they had a, a, under Joss, and it it definitely looks good, and it's fun to watch right now. And I want to
0: talk about the back four. Obviously, we've all raved about Julian Berner repeatedly on the podcast, but, you know, Iorfa's come to his own at center back. I think we still have questions about, you know, Odebajo at right back. Uh, Liam Palmer is a central midfielder now playing as a right-footed left back. And we all think they have a ma- mistake in them, and Wednesday tend to look shaky from set pieces. And I haven't to glance at this today. They have the joint second-best defensive record in the championship. They've allowed nine goals in 11 games. So, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, they're getting the job done. It's kind of weird to think about it. And I know we still are just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. But, you know, for now, that shoe's finding a last desperation block off the line.
1: They're all doing a fantastic job. And it is sometimes a little bit of, look, maybe... um... I'm sure there's uh, expected goal ratios we could look at if we were with that podcast. But um, but I think uh, there just is a kind of all for one, one for all mentality back there. So it doesn't really matter if I offers back there if, if Lees is back there. They all seem to be just like putting their bodies on the line. And, and obviously, Berners uh, did that again um, on, on Saturday uh, with another kind of like trademark chest in the way kind of Urgh! you will not pass kind of block. Uh, and it's, it's just great to watch. And Westy as well. I want to give him a shout out because obviously he has is a massive influence on the back four, organizing them. But also just every single game I think this season he's had a a, a certain goal uh, saved from him. And that was another great save in that game, where from the head or the back post just tipped onto the bar. It was overall I I think a very comfortable win. And uh, I noticed said the top it was like on not not convincing, but. I didn't think, other than a couple of scares, um, which you're gonna get in most games, um, we didn't really that like, like, troubled. I thought we were very much in control. Uh, the defence had things covered mainly. Uh, the midfield bossed it, and Fletcher did his usual solid job up front, and should have had a second goal.
0: Yeah, when I watched the the clip of the header like live, like I I just thought it beat Westwood and hit the crossbar. You like you look at it on replay, and the act the actual tip save to make there is point blank at that at that speed and that kind of body control to get it onto the bar, because it was going to go you know, right in the top of the net if he doesn't get a fingertip on it. But like looking at it live, I'm like, oh, that was just a let-off, but Westwood to the rescue again.
2: Yeah, yeah Patty, you mentioned Westwood and keeping things organized uh, in the back. I think that has a lot to do with this success rate. Um, you know, he's very vocal. He's very experienced. Uh, but I also two things that I think we see this year that we didn't in the previous one or maybe even the previous two, um, t- two, things. The first one is, is just how active the defenders are. Um, you know, we, we've, we've touched on that plenty, but you know, burner is always, always backing Westwood up. He's always moving. He's always, you know, if he's not directly in on a defensive play, uh, he's doing something well off the ball, covering something off the ball. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic to see. But the other thing is, um, There hasn't been much flat-footedness or ball-watching. I think if you look back at all the goals scored against us last year and maybe the year before, a lot of them had to do – and I hate to pick out Jordan Thornley because I think he's a good player, but um, Thornley was the worst at it. Just kind of standing there, losing a man who just runs – unimpeded to the goal and, and knocks one in usually on a rebound um there hasn't been any of that ball watching there's so much activity uh there's so much talk between all these players uh that um you know it's just it, yeah it's it's been fantastic and you know jeff you mentioned it it's has we're the second best team defensively in the league right now <clears throat> or one of the two second bests whatever you want to call it and uh, yeah it's it's been really impressive and and i think I think our activity has been been
0: great. You know, it's a bit of a bit of a cliche of course, but you have to imagine burner playing like second division. German soccer has really kind of sort of drilled on the, on the basics. And I think he really has kind of been uh, a leader of that back line and not even necessarily, uh, you know, like in, in sort of like a captain way, but just, I think the other, the, uh, we have a player like that in the back line, the other players are going to feed off of it. You're going to feed off his energy. Um, You know, they know they can step out and he'll be able to cover for them. And when he comes forward there, you know, whether it's, whether it's Hutch or Pelopessi, you know, we'll drop in behind. Like everybody seems to know what their job is. And like, if you look at the individual players, I know uh, Hutch mentioned on commentary that Iorford thinks of himself as a center back. He just had a lot of experience there. But if you look at like the individual players in their, in their roles there and sort of their, their strengths and weaknesses, they probably shouldn't be as, good as they've been looking at the players on paper but for some reason it just works and i don't know if that's a testament to uh you know monk's sort of man management or or tactics or if it's just everyone knowing what their role is or if there's something else sort of like uh, ineffable going on right now but i mean look i'm never going to be completely confident every time the lineup comes out that we're not gonna concede two goals or have a horrible let off or you know, immediately concede after scoring because I am a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and that is what uh, I have been trained to expect. But you know, you can't really. We're quarter the way through the season now, and uh, the you know the backline's been a strength for this team.
1: Yeah, and it's only going to get stronger, right? I mean, uh, with Leeds coming back, Hutch uh, back from suspension. There's a lot of coverage. I think,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, whisper it, but we've got a decent squad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So that is the Wigan game. Now we'll take a break and we come back. We'll discuss the Wednesday news over this international break. uh, Some bad news for an American Wednesdayite. And a uh, new potential sister club for our American owls. (laughs) Now it's time for some Wednesday news. Fernando Forestieri is eligible for selection this Friday coming off suspension. Got a run out with the under 23s and scored a penalty. Patty, you talked a fair bit about the midfield in our first segment. Do you think Forestieri slots right back in here? Uh,
1: not the way you're currently playing, no. Um, <clears throat> if we go 4 far 2, uh, I probably. Trying. Um, maybe not from the start, but he should be on the bench, I think, if he's uh, fit enough. Uh, if we don't intend to play two at front, then he's going to struggle to get in the side at the moment with the amount of uh, talent we've got. Simple as that.
0: Yeah, I think I mostly agree with this. And again, any player coming up just kind of lay off. And with the team having a good run of form like it is right now, you don't really want to mess too much with the. I think we have something I. Something approaching a, a first-choice 11 at this point, more or less. So I don't I don't really foresee Monk messing up, uh, messing with that too much.
1: I'm I happy to have him on the bench, though, against a Neil sure. Warnock. He That's like they're <laughs> going to kind of uh, stifle us for most of the game. I think that's a, definitely a, a massive bonus for us. But um, he needs to uh, prove himself in those cameos uh, before he gets to start.
0: Getting some starts over the international break, where Liam Palmer, again, now becoming basically a Scotland regular at this point, playing against <laughs> both uh, San Marino and Russia, and Eddie Nuhio featuring in a friendly for Kosovo against Gibraltar. Um, interestingly enough, two Scottish players that were both nominated for the PFA Player of the Month, Barry Bannon and Stephen Fletcher, still can't make the Scotland squad, Evan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean. It- I won't even pretend to be an expert on, on Scottish football, but, uh, you know, you have to imagine those two are, are at least good enough to, to be on the bench. But, um, you know, I think when it comes to Scotland, it's just, uh, we'll we'll win the games we should, and we're not really going to compete in the games we shouldn't. Right. They've lost four zero to Russia. um, and then, who was the other one they played? San Marino, they won 6-0. Uh, San Marino, yeah. Like, Isn't is San Marino like a, a Caribbean island? I don't <laughs> even know what that is. So I don't think it's exactly um,
1: Caribbean. but it's, uh, it's Italian, isn't it? It's just like the yeah. south coast of Italy. It's, um, yeah, either way, there's like basically uh, what, uh, plumbers and uh, electricians playing for them. So yeah. uh, I, I think uh, maybe Bannon and Fletcher. I mean, I, some of it is the fact that um, the Scottish manager is not a massive fan of either of them, I don't think. And my, some of it might be because it's basically shit um, opposition that they gave him a rest. Uh, either way, I'm I'm really happy they're not playing for them in uh, nothing matches, uh, and they're uh, at home and play people.
0: And I mean, at this point, the, you know, they're not really doing anything in the main European qualification, and they have the weird Nations League playoff because they won their group. So we'll see maybe if they... Uh they get picked when it comes crunch time. I'm just looking at their actual like squad that they called up and I had just assumed that they had more uh, midfield and frontline depth than fullback depth, which is why Palmer keeps getting called up, but uh, not really. Not so much. I mean, there's
1: McBurney, right? The um, the second night player McBurney and Fleck, I think also Scottish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that's
1: who's taking over Bannon and Scott Fletcher's McTominay,
0: positions. of course. Uh, <laughs> He's a good player. Yeah. It's um, true. Um, but yeah, and if, I, you look, you know, if you look at the the forwards they called up, uh, James Forrest from Celtic, who's obviously pretty good. Ryan Frazier is pretty good. Then like Johnny Russell. <laughs> um, the forward line that they called up has I can do math quickly uh nine goals in 71 international caps Among <laughs> the forwards they called up for uh i think harry kane scored that in the last six games <laughs> yeah. that's fine i don't understand the vagaries of international selection in a lot of cases uh speaking of potential award winners gary monk was also nominated for manager of the month off a of only, it seems weird. that he's only been in charge but functionally for a month at this point.
1: It also—it seems weird, but also it seems like uh, quite quick, right? I said like four games in charge. Is it four league games?
0: It's four league
1: games and a and
0: like a cup game. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's uh, either way. I hope he doesn't get it because the curse would come back and we'd <laughs> go on a losing run. So. Uh, I'm sure there's better uh, results as
0: managers uh, than what he's had. I know we've been I mean, the league the league's been a complete mess recently. (laughs) Yeah, what is
2: it like? Three three points separates the separates number eight or nine.
1: Yeah, what in the heck? I think like the Preston manager's like third. Well, Preston a third of the moment, so he's got to be up there as the uh, top favorite for that. I assume. Take it.
2: (laughs) What about what about the Cali brothers? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh.
0: i did want to put in a plug in here as well um that the quit a goal charity initiative is back so you can uh sign up online and donate a, a quid for every goal that wednesday score and it goes to a, a number of sheffield based charities so i don't know if that actually applies to us in the u.s so much but i know we have a lot of international listeners as well so just wanted to point that out that that is uh that's coming back Goals for a good cause. Hopefully, they yes, won't great. be uh, chalked off for offsides and terrible officiating <laughs> decisions. And now, folks, it is time for dispatches from American soccer. We start, we start on a bit of a sad note as Wednesday night oh, yeah. <laughs> former. Yeah, <laughs> way to go, Patty.
1: Noah no who's.
0: We start on a bit of a, a bit of a downer as podcast guest James O'Connor. Has been sacked at Orlando City FC, uh, or Orlando City SC, sorry, at it its soccer club. Patty, I do not follow MLS, so you're going to have to give me the lowdown on what happened here.
1: Uh, so, I mean, James had a massive task in front of him at Orlando. They're one of the worst teams in the league, and that says a lot because the league is dreadful at the moment. Uh, he joined halfway through 2018. Um, I think we, we've had him on since he's been Orlando coach, right? Or was it before that? I can't remember. Anyway, we know him because he used to manage uh, Evans' favourite team, Louisville, um, in the uh, USL. Um, and uh, he got a job on good merit. He had a great uh, um, uh, did a great job about Louisville. Uh, so it was a big chance for James to make a splash in the MLS. Unfortunately, he got uh, Orlando City, who uh, were on a massive uh, uh, losing streak at the time. They finished that uh, 2018 season with just two wins uh, and 12 losses. Uh, finishing 11th place and then in this season so he got a full season to uh, remedy that uh he got 11 wins um 27 losses though Uh, and again finished in the same place (laughs) 11th place so uh yeah he couldn't turn it around i mean they did sign sasha cleston from red bulls who uh, was an absolute waste of space for us so um i don't think he had much to work with uh, orlando and obviously he got sean mccauley by his side. Uh, Orlando. Currently, as far as we're aware, uh, on the news sites, Sean still has a job, but I might got that wrong. Um And James will be uh, looking for a new club to join. So we wish James all the best. And uh, maybe when he's got a bit of time on his hands, we can um, bring him back on the podcast.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's especially sad because he, you know he, his roots are in the U.S. or with Orlando City. You know, you're right. He 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 came over and played for them from Wednesday, and then. um he started managing Louisville City. Well, actually, Louisville City was owned by Orlando City. Okay, so so he played for Orlando City. Orlando City started a USL team up in Louisville. That's why Louisville are um, are purple. And so James was coaching for them while employed by Orlando City. Well, then Louisville became their own entity, and they kept James. Well, then he went back to Orlando City, obviously, to to manage the squad, the MLS squad. And now he's been fired. So, you know, all his roots are with that club. He he penned a letter to the Orlando City fans um, and, you know, just thanking them. And it's a it's a it's a pretty sad situation. And um, obviously we wish him the best. And I'm sure he'll he'll uh, be coaching for another team soon. He's a really great guy, really great manager. And um, looking forward to seeing what, what his next step is. Hopefully, Omaha.
1: I mean, hopefully, Red Bulls. I'd take him in the moment because <laughs> our guy's dreadful. <laughs>
0: that was a good transition that Patty, of course, stepped on to complain about Red Bulls. as is common <laughs> <comment>. <laughs> But yes, uh, Union Omaha is a new USL team. And Patty, they have a very familiar looking logo.
1: I love this. Uh, we got some mixed result on the Twitter when I tweeted this. Um, so Union Omaha, the latest uh, or the newest soccer club in uh, the U.S., um, they are based in Nebraska, is that right? Omaha. Omaha
0: is in Nebraska. Yes, Patty.
1: Good. Um, <laughs> uh, so they've taken on uh, an owl as their logo, uh, and it's a really good piece of work. I think it's um, pretty similar. I think it's a mashup of our old um, owl and our new owl, uh, giving a bit of a kind of neon treatment uh, for the eyes. Um, it, if, you, if you just Google Union Omaha, you'll find it's the first, it's the uh, soccer team in um, Nebraska. And what is weird there is that the, the, the bird owl has nothing to do with Nebraska or Omaha. Um, speaking of owls, my dog's just getting excited at the door because he wants to chase some birds. Um, so, yeah, it's nothing to do with, actually, Omaha. It's, the Nebraska State Bird is a meadowlark, apparently. <laughs> um, and they've just chosen an owl because it's cool, essentially. Uh, uh, and an owl's a, This particular owl, what's whistle, whistle, a horn? horn Great horned great, owl, great, owl, yes. Great horned owl uh, because it's fierce, essentially. That's why they chose owls. Um, and, yeah, the meadowlark apparently isn't that fierce. So, there you go. Check them out. Uh, if any Americans are looking for an American football club, obviously go and support Union Omaha. That's what my tip is. Don't spot Red Bulls. Fucking shite.
0: This is a great demonstration of both your geographical and ornithological knowledge in that segment <laughs> there, Patty.
1: Research that.
0: Uh, now we will try to bring some more knowledge to the forefront with our match previews. And a Friday afternoon clash on ESPN Plus with Neil Warnock's Cardiff City.
2: Yeah, Cardiff City, a... Um... Kind of a strange team, right? They Always. The, the, the stat that jumps out, 61% passing accuracy. Um, if that sounds bad to you, it's because it is. They are dead last in the championship at passing accuracy, that 61%. Next closest is Millwall with 65%. And to put it in perspective, the leader is Fulham with 87%. And Wednesday are... Twelve percent higher at seventy three point six. So not a great passing squad. However, they do have sixteen goals, which uh, are closer to the middle of the pack. It's actually it's actually eighth in the, in the championship, um, tied with with Swansea with sixteen, and then Sheffield Wednesday have sixteen as well. So um, scoring wise, not bad. I just don't know how they score if they can't complete passes. Uh, it's just. I mean,
0: yeah, if it's yeah, a Sheffield Neil Warnock team, they just hook it to some big lump in the attacking third somewhere
2: yeah they do average the six most shots per game in the championship with uh with 13.7 so i don't know it anything can happen with Cardiff. it is a strange team uh as you mentioned earlier it'll be nice to have uh force the area, kind of a super sub off the bench you know wear down the defense and uh maybe cause something to happen but uh, this this could be quite a boring friday match
0: I feel like oftentimes on the show, I just think every away game is a is a bogey game for Wednesday. I know they've played particularly well on the road in recent years, but man, I hate going to Wales. It just always seems like it'll either be like a boring nil nil, or they'll lose a annoying three two. That seems to be the general results when they head out there, Patty.
1: Yeah, I was actually watching the uh, a more positive results. Uh, if you saw the club uh, put on YouTube uh, when we had to beat them to secure our playoff spot uh, in yeah. 2016 in the Carlos, uh, we haven't done the 3-0 at home. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think I've got many good memories um, of uh, Cardiff away. The best result in Cardiff I went to <laughs> was obviously the playoff League, <laughs> League 1 final. Um, so, yeah, I still think it was some. we can get something out of this. We'll probably get... Uh, a draw, uh, I think there's another two weeks of the squad uh, Monk's had so that's positive, uh, drilling him on what he wants them to do, so I don't know, uh, I'm going to go draw with a possibility of a late winner
0: I think they're having a bit of a sort of the parachute funk where they haven't really gotten their feet under them after coming down from the Premier League even with some uh, with some squad continuity, so perhaps they can be gotten at, but you also know that as always, Neil Warnock will be up for this one as annoying as he always is,
1: but it's could be his last home game against us ever. <laughs> so we've well, got to give him one. We've got to give him an uh, uh,
0: absolute spanking. Yeah, he'll pop up with uh, <laughs> who will he pop up with in like two years? Birmingham? Pop up with middle, Birmingham? Middlesbrough? <laughs> <laughs> you can't kill Neil Warnock. You just can't.
1: <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's slowly melting. So I think maybe he's been <laughs> killed.
0: But if a Friday afternoon clash at Cardiff doesn't get your motor running, can I interest you in a Tuesday afternoon game against Stoke, Patty? No, thank
1: you, Jeff. Uh, not at all. Um, actually, this time around, uh, I'm not too um, concerned about Stoke. They are in a dreadful start of it in the league. So they are currently uh, bottom, I believe, right? And I believe so, yeah. So, so five points. So they won one game out of 11. I think uh, it was their last
0: uh, one, too. They won going into the break. That's right, yeah.
1: Yeah, 2-1
2: right, uh, against Swansea.
1: So, f- for me, it's a good time to be playing Stoke. Um, yeah, they've, they've won a game, um, but still, uh, we ex- everyone expected these to be there at their bouts uh, this season, and they've really not got going at all. So, I'd rather play them at uh, this point in the season. Uh, and uh, we're at home on Tuesday, right? Yes. At home game? Yeah. So, I feel confident of, of getting some of this game, but then against championships and who knows what. Uh, Evan, do you have any stats for us?
2: Yeah, they're pretty much middle of the road in, in most of these stats as far as the championship's ships concerned. 76% passing accuracy, 48% possession, uh, 18 tackles per game, all just kind of bang average. They just don't have anyone that can really score. Um, Sam Klukas has three goals this year. Scott Hogan has three. And uh, a couple guys with one, James McLean has, has two. Uh, didn't James McLean sing American Pie?
1: <laughs> Don McLean. Uh, or ah, whatever. Clupus always has a good game against as a fucking it's hate. True, game, yeah. I forgot he yeah. play for Stoke.
2: Yeah, he's uh he's played every match I believe. Uh, 11 appearances. I think they've played 11. Yeah. So um yeah, he's he's a good player. He's solid has been for a while but uh, you know, they're just not they're not an exciting team and obviously they're dead last in the championship. So um, it, it, we should we should win this one at home especially.
0: I mean the most uh, the most Wednesday of outcomes here is sort of navigating a canny, well organized one nil win against Cardiff, and then getting our do- doors blown off us by Sam Klukas at home after going top of the table for twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: that'd be about right. Nail
0: one. Do so we have any other business? Yes, we do. Um, sorry.
1: Uh, first of all, happy anniversary, guys! It's two years this week that we started as Um midway well it was about mid, like 10 games into the 2017 2018 season yeah um, so um yeah thanks everyone to for those of us that uh, listen still <laughs> <laughs> listeners that have stepped with us from the beginning actually I listened to the first episode last week and it's really interesting I think uh, first of all if you haven't listened to the first episode yeah a good intro into Jeff and Evan who now everyone assumes that they you know all about them. Uh, so go back to episode one um, but I want to say uh, thank you to all our listeners obviously thanks to all our guests thanks to the people that uh, come on the podcast we'll keep going obviously as long as we wanted um, and hopefully here's to many more we are 20 episodes away from our 100th episode now as well so we're going to crack that milestone this season too um, so yeah thanks everyone
0: Penny, where are the meetups for this week?
1: we have a meetup in New York at New York at Football Factory 245 kickoff Eastern Time there is a meet-up in New Orleans uh, at Finn McCool's. And there is a meet-up uh, first of the season uh, in Portland uh, at the Toffee Club. And that's a lunchtime kickoff off at 11.45. So join Mike
0: and the group in Portland. And you'll be able to see all of the next three games on ESPN+. Plus. Cardiff, Stoke for some reason. Uh, and of course, the coming Leeds matchup next weekend. Good time to get a seven-day trial. It is. I guess they're actually eight days apart, which is kind of annoying. But oh, yeah. you
1: know. It's five books a month. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a bargain.
0: You've been listening to episode 80 of the Owls America cast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, do you what the forecast is for that Friday afternoon game against Cardiff. I meant in Ohio. It's it going to be chilly all week?
2: Oh, in Ohio? Yeah, it's supposed to be chilly all week. In fact, I just got a weather notification that said it'll be noticeably warmer, or it'll be much warmer in Bluffton tomorrow. It'll be 73 degrees. Ooh, so, um, man, yeah, I got to get the shorts back out. <laughs>
0: Paddy is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A Jones. Patty, what, what do we have? Anything planned for after the in the Cardiff game in the city, a little Friday night? Uh...
1: Well, if you, you know the Bluebirds, uh, you know they like. <laughs> oh a, right! So you, you know they like karaoke at. A... <laughs> it's uh, if if Dave has got a pass, then uh, karaoke is likely on the cards, and a lot of Tom Jones,
0: mm. of course.
1: He <laughs> sounds so excited.
0: I do. <laughs> And I'm on Twitter at Jeff JeffPatternastro, and I guess now there is at least a 50% chance that the opening to next week will be audio of me singing the Arctic Monkeys at karaoke, so look forward (laughs) to that.